the Monica Matthews Show. Life, love, and liberty. Another day. Another day. Day belongs to the Lord. Amen. I decided to do my podcast a little early today because I am going to be obedient to my instruction from the Lord today. So recently I uh, alerted you guys to a revelation that I had by the grace of God. You know, grace can mean a number of things as it pertains to uh, the Lord. Grace can mean unmerited favor. It can also mean God's grace extended toward us to be able to understand his precepts and principles. And what a beautiful thing either way, right? And, And both of them work in harmony. That's a word I want to focus on today, harmonious. They work in harmony. You know how bad it sounds whenever something's not in harmony, right? I mean, as a musician, just think about that. Think about how many times you've heard people try to harmonize, and some people are really good at it, and other people are just awful, and they just cannot get it right, right? And you know, whenever you hear something that's like, ooh, yikes, okay, that was that that did not sound right. <laughs> well, it's kind of the same thing for me whenever it comes to Scripture, And I've had a few of you reach out lately and ask me how I go about reading my Bible. Uh, How is it that I encourage my faith? Because because many of you are um, confused, you're hurt, you're confounded, you are um, angry, you're very afraid, you're very afraid. Many people, I don't care how deep your faith goes, if we're all being honest, uh, most of us have been shaken because this is a time of great shaking. This is a time of the wheat separating from the chaff. And that in and of itself <laughs> in, in, invokes fear uh, in a lot of people because you're like, which side of that am I going to end up on? Well, here's the deal. If Remember what I said last night on my podcast with Craig Sawyer, which if you missed it, you must go listen to it. I believe, you know, Craig is doing fantastic work in the earth and and he's fulfilling Christ's command to defend the defenseless and defend the innocent, look after the cause of the widow and the orphan, many of our children coming across the border, and they are our children, whether we pay for them in this country or not, because they were birthed from the heart and the mind of God and God, the living God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the living God of all living spirits. So we cannot look at children coming across the border of no fault of their own as enemies of our state. Now, the harmony, the harmony of God that says that there is to be order and decency in this earth. If we had order and decency now that we have had for the past four years of the Trump administration, 
we would not have endangered children coming across the border ad nauseum at the moment. And what the enemy likes to do is take a dis, a discord, a dis, uh, a, an, a disharmonious uh, moment in time and throw the word on top of it. And he did it with Jesus, so this is nothing new. This is nothing new. And so, of course, we are to have borders around our nation because that's what makes us a nation. Our ideologies, our constitution, our culture as Americans, and the culture of liberty, which is the only culture of God, by the way, liberty is always at the foundation, always. Justice is always harmoniously supposed to lead to freedom. God's justice was executed on Christ for our freedom. And and Christ didn't deserve it. We do. That's what this week is all about. If you're not Greek Orthodox or another form of Orthodox, our our Easter's like, you know, we 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 go by a whole other calendar. Full moons, uh, Passovers, uh, you know, it's it's a whole, it's a whole thing. But we in we don't celebrate we don't celebrate Easter as it were. We celebrate Pascha, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So our Easter really has nothing to do with Easter bunnies, although we have actually adopted that. As most religions adopt paganism on some level. I digress. Freedom. Your freedom is of the utmost importance and concern of God's because he is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so many of you are seeking freedom from fear, from hatred, from wrath, from confusion, from stinking dogma, bad theology, a spirit of religion, Spirit of pride. These are things I contend with on a daily basis. Uh, you know, I just do. They pop. They rear their heads because things are flying around me as well. I I posed a question to you guys last night on Twitter. Here's the deal, America. Everything that's not nailed down is not going to survive this storm. What is it that you've nailed yourself to? If it's not the Lord Jesus Christ as not only your Savior, but your Lord, you're going to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, and you and likely your family are not going to survive. And I'm not a fear monger. So when I say that, you hear it in my voice, I say that with complete sobriety. And what do I mean by survive? Not only will you not survive, but you certainly will not be living life and life more abundantly. And yes, when the storm came, every disciple in that boat freaked out. And Jesus is like, okay, okay, how long am I going to have to contend with you guys already? Just speak to this thing. You have the power of the living God inside of you if you have, in fact, accepted God's Holy Spirit through his crucified sacrificial lamb on behalf of you and your sins and the entire world, but I'm making this about you because it is about you. 
That makes some of you really uncomfortable. A lot of people believe that we live in a time of of inordinate self-love. Well, exceptional amounts of self-love, or we have no self-love at all. I I would argue, not argue, but I would pose um, kind of a, a different perspective in that we do not know our Father who is love, and so we will accept any false idea of love about ourselves and others. You see that very evident with people in the church who are telling you that Jesus would be okay with open borders. Jesus would be okay with using vaccinations that have um, questionable ingredients. And I, and I say that um, because that's right there in any, in any scientific periodical paper uh, script uh, that you read about these vaccinations, there are certain ingredients there. For those of you who do not believe that they're using stem cells from aborted fetuses or whatever it is, it's got you all frizzed. And if I say it, it'll get you frizzed again. It'll get you off track of what this conversation is really about, which is, is Jesus Lord or is he not Lord in your life? But your church leaders are now telling you that the vaccinations are a good thing. And I realize that this causes a little bit of disharmony in in anyone who has supported President Trump, including myself, including me. Um, I have supported President Trump. Full disclosure, during the primary, I voted for Ted Cruz. But ultimately, President Trump has been my guy since the general and since then, and still is, still is. But President Trump is not my God. And President Trump is not my Lord. And President Trump knows what President Trump knows. And he's been advised and he's made decisions. He has attempted, I believe, to do right by the American people um, in in, in the assistance uh, with vaccinations. I I also know with, with very reliable sources that the president was, in fact, presented with, uh, through others in his administration, with other very viable, organic, proven um, studies of other things that, that would have, other than a vaccine, that has proven to be uh, effective, has a very high efficacy rate and there were things and people and institutions and industries and gods of today and gods of old who stood in between you God's people and God's creation for outside of prayer and in addition to prayer to thwart these man-made bio weapons now, that, that information comes from very reliable sources, multiple sources. There are many people strewn across the United States who are aware of what I am referring to. So for those of you who are confused as to why President Trump would be um, advocating on behalf of vaccines that, that most of us look at and go, nah, no thanks, myself included, 
Um, I hope that brings some understanding and some peace, not accusation, not accusation toward the president. Um, someone reminded me recently that it's very easy to insulate a world leader. It is very easy to do that. And I've been praying hard that our Esther will rise up during this time to serve President President Trump. I don't know who that will be. And I realize that our First Lady, um, uh, by all accounts, represents Esther, but I'm speaking from a spiritual perspective and uh, possibly an advisor, someone who, a spiritual advisor, as well as someone who has God's eyes and ears uh, politically, who can be the periphery to the president, who is completely unafraid, a, a Joan of Arc, if you will, of today, and Esther, who it would even who would walk before, walk into the king's court knowing that she could be taken out because that that is the time that we're living in right now. Not that that would come from President Trump, but there are people around him who are not godly people. And we know that. I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Unless you're into Republican idolatry. And every president has these folks. You have them. If you're a housewife who stays home with your children, you have Hamans in your midst. They usually come in the way of women who are unhappily married and all they do is complain about their husbands and then they want to get together with you and take you off track. Or they're going through a divorce and they want you to go hang out at the wine bar and drop little Johnny off, you know, with the dad. And next thing you know, you're moving your ring to the other finger and, you know, uh, bad company corrupts good manners and wrecks a lot of marriages. Yeah, so see, it can happen to you. It can happen to the president. So hopefully that helps, you know, take some of the accusation out of the room toward the president about why would he be pushing for a vaccine if they're not safe? Well, on one hand, you look at whether or not, what, what, what would have happened had he, had he not said, hey guys, here's the tools, go forth, work it out with a vaccine. Uh, on the other hand, I really wish there had been some follow-up and there had been some pushback from the most powerful man on the planet as it pertains to world politics, geopolitical landscape. I wish there had been some follow-up and follow-through on why some of these other things were not um, brought to the American public. It should disturb you. And there are very, very bad actors on the landscape of, um, actually it's called pharmacia, where I come from. It's witchcraft. And some of you who are on a ton of meds right now are like, oh my gosh, what is she talking about? Well, that study is for an entirely different show. And, and but I want to leave you with this on that. There's, there's no shame in people who take uh, medication. I think the peanuts like the coolest thing ever. Penicillin, some of you can't take that. But, I mean, how cool is that? You know, God is forever using things from, from earth <laughs> because he knows that we're not going to abide by, you know, perfect thinking, which is harmonious thinking with him. 
He knows that we have a fallen nature. He knows we have genetic disruptions. He knows we have sin in our lineage. He knows that not everyone's going to appropriate the blood of the lamb for these curses. He knows not everyone who professes Christ as Lord and, and Savior is going to believe him when he says that I came to heal all of your diseases and forgive all of your sins. He knows there are going to be people. He knew there would be people on the earth that whenever Jesus went to certain uh, regions, there were no healings. And the Bible tells you very clearly why. Because of lack of faith. I didn't write this, you guys. So you can't be mad at me. But I believe it. I believe there's a lot of harmony in the scriptures that are very liberating. And and I and many of you have asked me, Monica, I just get so lost. I get on rabbit trails. I feel like my Bible studies are unfulfilled. How is it, you know, I, I tend to speak with the, like this great love affair for the scriptures because I do. And I get in and I'm just like, oh my gosh, these people are crazy. I love it. These are my people, right? And wow, Jesus was no joke. And what if I was standing there and he said that to me? And then he does say stuff like, how long, Monica? How long am I going to have to contend with you on this one thing? How many times am I going to have to, do we have to go around this mountain in the desert that you just insist living in? Yeah, these are the conversations I have by virtue of the conversations I know that he's had with others before me in my faith. There's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Nothing. That is harmonious. That will keep you in harmony. That will keep you out of despair. That will keep you out of running around believing every wind of doctrine. Mainly doctrines of devils. And we're surrounded by it, but guess what? He didn't make us a little lower than the angels. He made us a little lower than himself. Multiple scriptures referring to us as God's lowercase g. Now, why do I say that? Because the revelation I had recently, and I shared this in a recent podcast, was that I have, in fact, professed Jesus Christ as my Savior, probably since I was a little girl right? Because I was raised Greek Orthodox and we went and colored our pictures of Jesus and took communion and, you know, put on our big old white dresses during Easter and carried the palms and, um, you know, wore the big white bows and the bobby socks and pat leather shoes. Yep. Did all that. And, uh, you know, we did our little church plays and got to be Mary and other figures, you know, and all that stuff. And, and, you know, Greek Orthodox, they're, they're a New Testament church. So sometimes, you're, you're, well, at least when I was growing up, I think it has actually evolved, thankfully. Um, but many times you, you didn't delve back into the Old Testament. That was like sacred ground. And so you would sing the Psalms like throughout the litur- throughout the liturgy. But in Sunday school, nah, we were, we were all about the New Testament, which is great. That's a good, that's a, that's a great place. But what that leaves out is why Jesus was so necessary. <laughs> So all you got to do is spend about 3.2 seconds in the Old Testament and go, "Mm, yep, now I get it. (laughs) Yep, I'm running over to the New Testament with my butt on fire because we'd have never gotten out of that mess without Jesus. That's what you find. That's what you discover as you keep reading through the these and the thousand begats and begats and begats and all those things that trip you up, confuse you. 
that leave you going, I don't understand this mess. I just don't get it. And I want to, but I don't. I'm tired, whatever. I'm just going to go with whatever the pastor shoves down my throat. And it could be poison. It could be a vaccine. It could be stale manna. It could be whatever, moldy, crusty manna bread. It could be, you know, vinegar, wine, you know, grape juice, whatever that's stale with mold. But I'm going to drink it because I just don't understand this stuff. But many of you are reaching out to me because you really want to understand it. And glory be to God on high because he has been contending with my butt lately. And I understand why. Because this is a great commission. This is a huge, huge responsibility as I see it to be able to encourage you to exercise my spiritual gifts, to bring you along and into to answer your calls of me, to help you connect in the scriptures to your Lord and Savior. Wow, that is a privilege, that is an honor, and that is not something I take lightly. Trust that. So the recently the Lord has dealt with me with, yes, you have seen me as your Savior, and for sure in 2000 after I lost my husband to ALS and lost my mind basically, in terms of just behavior, it was crazy. It was a nutty season of my life. Like it was a mess. I write about it in my book. You can, uh, I touch on, I touch on a lot of it. It's pretty transparent. I'm a pretty transparent person. You know why? Not because I'm so amazing, but because it's all for God's glory. Because however messed up I was, you know, doing crazy stuff in my youth, there's no shame in my youth. Because in Isaiah 54, God promised me that the shame of my widowhood would no longer be a reproach to me. The shame of my youth would no longer be a reproach to me. You know why? Because he's redeemed it, and he's redeemed yours. There's no reason to live in shame of what you've done in the past. A, you can't change it, but more importantly, by the blood of the Lamb, my sins are covered. By the word of my testimony, I overcome my enemy. That, too, is in your Bible. So when I speak with authority and you guys hear it, you recognize it because I believe what I'm saying. Now, appropriating it some days is a different story. I'm just being honest. So when the Lord brought to my attention that, yeah, yeah, Monica, I've been your savior and that's wonderful. See you on the other side, get your little robe and your banjo, get ready to live as a, as a king and a priest into eternity. That's wonderful. Welcome. Welcome. And that is a big deal because I want my name to be written in the book of life. Oh my gosh. Ah, but, ah. This was a big one. Ooh, this was a big one. And it was heartbreaking, but it was also extraordinarily liberating. He was everyone else's Lord but mine. I had become the Lord of my life. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know if I ever, I don't know that I ever relinquished under, I don't, I don't know that I ever relinquished my God title. You know what I mean? Like if he says that we are little G gods, and he does in multiple places in scripture, that's pretty powerful, right? And look around. I mean, some of you think that the children of Satan, or maybe they're not children of Satan, they're just, you know, they're their own gods. And they get a lot of stuff done in this earth. Not that it's going to mean a hill of beans in eternity, or they won't be accountable for it in eternity, but they get a lot of stuff done in the earth. You know why? Because they understand that they have a jurisdiction here in the earth as little G gods, and they work it out. I mean, they get, you know, they get stuff done. They're very brutish in business. Again, it depends on the measure, you know, by which you're measuring getting stuff done, right? Because in the end, 
it's going to be weighed on God's scales, not man's. And so a lot of things that we've done, if we do them outside of Christ, good luck with that on your scale. I mean, I know my scale is already like, oh, (laughs) it wears me out to even think about it. It puts the fear of God in me. I can tell you that not because, not because I'm I live in terror of my father, but because I realize that man, whatever I'm doing outside of the will, outside of the strength, and outside of the ordination and the blessing of Jesus Christ, um, and in the strength and the power and the authority of Jesus, in the end is is really not going to amount to a whole lot on God's scales. And many of you are so tired. You're fighting battles you were never called to. So when God said to me and dealt with me as his daughter in that I have not, um, and I got to tell you how he did it too. This, And I don't recommend this show for most of you. It's pretty rough, but American Gods. Um, but just watching something, even through entertainment, I was like, and and going through scripture and realizing as well as my as my very close knit advisory spiritual advisory council with which consists of well you already know who some of those people are but they are very um, they're very much so elders in the faith and they have been tried and they have been proven by God not me by God and by life and so I call upon my counsel absolutely and I'm like okay this is what's going on I need your wisdom. Because there's safety in the multitude of counsel, godly counsel, wise, proven, tried by fire, tried by God counsel, harmonious counsel. And that's exactly what I have around me by the grace and the will of God. I'm very grateful for that. So I call them. I'm like, what is all this stuff about we're little G gods? What? You know, and every one of them on the same page. These are people, you know, bishops, generational leaders, um, people who, again, because I'm versed in the scriptures to the extent that God has allowed me his grace to open my eyes to see certain things when people speak to me and it's harmonious, I'm like, okay, all right, I get it. Thank you. And then the Holy Spirit himself speaks with me through his word. And I'm going to go over how I, uh, go through archaeological digs of the war of the word because you've asked me. But the Lord dealt with me recently about him not being my Lord. He's my Savior. But there's no greater power as a lowercase g God than, than handing over, than yielding your uh, lowercase l, Lordship to the uppercase L O R D Lord. There's no greater act of humility than saying, All right, Father, I I I acknowledge how you created me, but I'm going to yield. I'm going to yield my members, my mind, my will, my emotions. I'm going to yield all of that, my fallen nature, my flesh, all every bit of that. I'm going to yield to you in your ways of thinking and feeling and behaving. And uh, we're going to walk this thing out called life. It's a very, very different approach, you guys. Very different. 
there's so much rest in it too, because I can't tell you how many things I was contending with that I was never called to contend with. Just doing it my own strength, my own flesh. And for some of you, it looked great. You're like, oh, thanks so much for doing this for us and saying this and being out here and doing that. And the Lord's like, <laughs> you know, yeah, okay, thanks. You know, and I watch all the idolatry around politics and people in media personalities. And now it's the church. Yeah. You know, I, I see where I've upset the apple cart of many uh, of my followers because I say followers. And of course, I say that with great humility. I just say it because that's that's what people do. Follow me on Twitter or this or that. And so, you know, but I'm not some follow me over a cliff kind of person or I have all these followers. That's not my heart. So you can save yourself time on the email. But I am very clear about what that means. I'm not going to apologize for utilizing a word that indicates what people are actually doing. It's okay. You are following me. I need to know that because it holds me accountable. Not to you, to God, <laughs> to my uppercase L Lord. <laughs> so if I try to be accountable to all of you, which I have done, it is exhausting. And it, you guys are very fickle. Why? Because we all are. We're very human. So it doesn't work. And it keeps me entangled in fear about losing followers. <laughs> if I say this, for some of you pastors out there, you know what I'm talking about because you're scared to death you're going to lose your next building fund because I'm losing parishioners. I can't believe I agreed with that prophecy. Now I got to backpedal and blaspheme the Holy Spirit by telling my followers, well, maybe that dude got it wrong. Even though we've all been counting on it since, you know, since last summer. Oh, Trump's going to have a second term. We just know it. There's going to be two, two, uh, two presidents at the same time. We just know it. And now look at you. you. Guys running for the hills, man, and taking your congregations over the cliff with you, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, talking out of both sides of your face. Seriously. It's like one minute Kim Clement's like the bomb. Like he has definitely always heard from God. Now all of a sudden it's like starting to affect people's coffers and you know, and their jet funds and new building funds and paying their mortgage funds and whatever other fund they have and about to upset their 501c3 status because they keep talking about politics and God and Kim Clement and blah, blah, And now all of a sudden, where are y'all? Where are some folks? Left your sheep scattered, by the way, but that's okay because God is providing other people to be there. I consider myself one of those people, and I promise you, I do not consider myself a pastor. But I am here with some food. I am here with the food of God. I'm here with the drink of God. And it's not me who feeds you or waters you. But I'm willing to stand here in all of my imperfection for God's glory. And I invite you to do that as well. As you grow and as you learn, as we walk through this thing together, I invite you to start being that for people around you. That is the ecclesia. And yes, there is a governance to God's kingdom. Yes, there is a governance within the bride of Christ, within the body of the church. But he's given us all, but the Holy Spirit teaches us. The word tells us that. He's given us all gifts and talents. I talked about that last night in my show. Seek out, ask the Lord, what are your gifts and talents? Most of them are very apparent. It's just the world doesn't appreciate them. 
And when the world doesn't appreciate our gifts and talents as spiritual people, we get rejected and we feel abandoned and we don't fit in and we get fearful and we can't make money and, you know, all the pride of life, all this stuff that's so common to man. Anything you're going through, someone else is going through it as well. That's not to diminish your struggle. I'm just trying to make you feel like, hey, we're, we really are in this together. I don't want to be trapped in wearing masks and vaccine passports and all that crap together. No, you know, those radio campaigns around my city, that's like, we're all in this together. Put on your mask. I'm like, no, you guys can sit in fear together. I'm not called to live in fear. I'm called to live in faith. So no, we're not in that together. But if you're walking this thing out in faith with me as a sister or brother in the Lord, then we are in this thing together. Now, how, how do I go about studying in the word of God. How do I go about eating? My book was divided up in in the conversation of like around food, right around the courses. I didn't have chapters in my book. I have courses. I mean, that's how, that's how married I am to the idea of feeding our souls and drinking from the well of, of living waters and the well of life called Jesus. That's how committed to that I am. And I'm a very artistic and visual person, so it was important to me to draw those pictures for you as well. That's why there's a picture of a meal on the front of my book, uh, prepared by a very, uh, uh, actually, a world-renowned chef, uh, someone I was raised with in the Greek Orthodox community here in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, Pano Karatasis, and his family is a um, very well-known restaurant conglomerate here called the Buckhead Life Group in Atlanta, and... Pano and I were raised together along with his brother Nico and his sister Anne. We all had to go to Greek school together and we literally just wanted to jump off a cliff. But he created a very small uh, entree for me. And in the visual on, on the book was, it doesn't appear as though that would satisfy you. Because we have very uh, 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 voracious we have uh, we have unsatisfiable, <laughs> insatiable uh, added appetites as Americans. We're all very bloated where it comes to uh, when it comes to faith, and we've become you know the smoke the smoke machines and skinny jeans kind of era of faith. In contrast to our brothers and sisters, maybe in Ethiopia, Ethiopia or other parts of um, you know countries in Africa who have. Um, Nothing. They don't even know what a smoke machine is, much less skinny jeans, right? But they love Jesus. They are the living temple of God on the earth. How do you know? Their joy, their peace, their love. Stuck in poverty, surrounded by crazy, barbaric Muslim ideologies that literally machete their children in the middle of the night, you know, and you look at their faces and they're like, Hey, we have Jesus. We don't have much, but we have everything. That's amazing. That's what I want. Right? Like I want that level of joy and freedom. That's freedom. Your salvation. What is your salvation? Righteousness, peace, and joy. That makes up salvation. That's in your Bible too. And here's the here's the really crappy part about me. I am not an address girl, so I can't help you. <laughs> unless 
unless I'm hosting a Bible study and and I'm already like prepared for it. Okay. And we're about to go over some things right now. But if you're like, well, Monica, where is that? I'm like, I have no idea, but I'm t- I promise you it's there because I've read it. It's in my bones. So it's, I'm not just regurgitating stuff. Like it's a part of my, my bone marrow. It's a part of my being. And that's how I would love to hear testimonies of you getting to that place where you're no longer fighting with people and their crazy ideologies of stabbing yourself in the neck or arm or leg with a vaccine because, you know, it's questionable or not because Jesus would. Don't even get me started. And if you ever want to know whether or not the church is in huge levels of idolatry, this is the time. Some of you are so upset because apparently, um, uh, I almost said Billy Graham, um, and now, of course, his name, you know, I'm having a menopausal moment, and his name escapes me, uh, Franklin. Apparently, Franklin and uh, T.D. Jakes, Bishop Jakes, you know, I've always loved Bishop Jakes. Some of you guys think he's an apostate. I don't know. Um, but I've always, you know, listen, even the worst of the worst, some of you guys think Joel Osteen literally is the Antichrist which just makes me laugh. Um, but here, but here's what I know. We're all, and there are apostates in the church, don't get me wrong. Absolutely. There are false, there are wolves in sheep's clothing. There are false prophets, false teachers. But we spend more, if we, if we exerted the same amount of energy seeking the Lord as we do seeking all of these false people, oh my gosh, we, there wouldn't even be any room for these guys and gals. None. We, they'd get no airtime. They would get no oxygen from the body of Christ. None. Zero. But we don't. We're so busy beating the bushes for devils, looking for other people's devils, that we're not seeking the Lord. We're not asking. We're not knocking. So I commend you guys who are here um, asking me, how do I do this? All right, here's how I do this. So, for instance, some days I go to my daily, you know, it could be a calendar. It could be, some of you follow Jesus Calling. Some of you just have a calendar with a scripture on it, right? It's just a uh, a little flip calendar thing that I have one on my kitchen counter. Um, I don't even know who it's written by, but it's just, it's the word, right? And then, and there there's a scripture and it's just like a daily encouragement. So it's right there on my kitchen island. I flip it over and I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm not, you know, I'm, I don't really, I don't normally sit down and go, oh, I'm dealing with fear. I'm dealing with this. Uh, or, you know, I know your Bible apps a lot of times will, 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 they're, they're wonderful resources. You know, if you can get through all that stuff, oh my gosh, it's almost overwhelming. I I don't really use it for anything unless I'm on the road. And I want to quickly cross-reference from my King James version. So for me, this is how I do it. I have a, a King James version Bible and I like having the Bible in my hand because I don't know why. I feel like I'm literally holding the hand of Christ when it's in my hands. I'm, I'm a very tactile person. So for me, you know, I got to like, I, I touch it, smell it, taste it, see it, feel it, you know, all that. And and for me, when I have my hands on the word, I can flip very fast. I, I can sit and meditate with it in my hands. Um, you know, I just, I, I, I honor the Bible as the word of God. And the word of God came here in the flesh as a human being. So when I'm reading these words, they're more than just words. 
which is why a lot of times I tell you words are not just words. Use your word because that's what Jesus had to do against his enemy. And you know, if Satan's going to use the word against the word, he's definitely going to use it against you. (laughs) And this isn't a new phenomenon. So for instance, it could just have a little scripture at the bottom of the page. Maybe I'm like, okay, I don't even know where I want to, where I need to be today, but I'm going to start right here with this scripture. And, you know, let's say, I don't know, it could be in Romans, but I'm going to use this as an example. Recently, one of my uh, sisters who I do, um, you could call it soul work. You call it, that is ministry. It's a sister of mine that I, she does ministry with me. And, um, and, and she went over some scriptures with me that she felt impressed upon by the Holy Spirit to give to me. So I wrote them down and I came home and, and whenever I sat down to, you know, start fulfilling, sorry, I had something in my contact, start fulfilling what, uh, the Holy Spirit had given her to give to me in terms of scriptures to read. That's what I went to. So one of them was um, Romans 12 and 2, okay? And this was a daily thing for me to do, daily. Romans 12 and 2 says, it's a, it's all, the whole chapter of 12 is about Christian conduct, okay? So I go over to Romans 12, which is in the New Testament. Romans 12 and 2 says, And be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, how many of you have said, what's the will of God? I don't know what God wants me to do, right? I don't know. Well, this guy says this, and this pastor said that, and this bishop did this, and this pastor, and then, and I heard this. Well, here's your peace. Here's your bread. This is your portion. This is for you. This isn't going to come from your pastor or bishop. It should be in harmony with what they're teaching you. If it's not, then you have a measure by which to measure whether or not you are being fed and led in the wrong direction. If you don't sit down to do this, you have no armor. And you are being tossed about by the world and the church. And that is not God's will for your life. How do I know that? Because it's in the Bible. So, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect, good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Right next to the end of that paragraph is First John 2.15. Now, here we go. This is how I do this thing called archaeological digs in the word. This is how I sit down and have supper with the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You ready? So 1 John 2.15, that is a citation because it's going to be in what? Harmony with what I just read to you. So I'm going over to 1 John 2.15. 
First John. And the front of your Bible should have a glossary, an index, and it will tell you where all this is. You're not sitting here flipping through everything, feeling like a dodo, because that's the other thing the enemy will do. Let me tell you, as soon as you get you get ready to do this, there's going to be all kinds of distractions. I, I tell you what I do. I put my phone on complete lockdown. It is on, um, well, sometimes. It depends. Or I'll have my computer in front of me so I can actually cross-reference. Um, like, let's say there's something historically that I'm that I'm curious about. That's another thing. When you sit down, I would encourage you to sit down with a, with a, a childlikeness about you. Because remember what the word says also, that unless ye enter as these little children, you will in no wise see the kingdom. And so when you sit down, you know, I would encourage you to pray, Father, I'm here. Don't really know what I'm doing. You know, whatever your level of faith is, I'm here, I'm seeking, I'm knocking, and I'm asking. And that's all I got. I want to see you. I want to find you. I, I want to ask and hear from you. I want to knock and have you open. And Jesus tells you in Revelation, he's standing, I do know that, Revelation, he's standing at the door knocking. Will you open it so he can come in and do what? Sup with you. He can come in and have a meal with you and your soul and your heart so that you can live life more abundantly, not just survive these crazy COVID times and this political geopolitical upheaval, this communist takeover of our country. No, to live life more abundantly. So when you sit down, it's really simple, you guys. God promises to give us wisdom if we just ask. Father, give me the wisdom, please. I know I've got a lot going on. Wherever I need to forgive someone, please show me. I will do it. And if it needs to begin with me, I forgive myself. Help me forgive myself. Help me forgive other people. And help me on this journey. And let's do this. I promise you, I promise you, as sure as the sound of my voice, he will never ever forsake you in that request. I don't care who you are and what you've done. His mercies are new every morning. And your soul is very important to your father. Very. You, your soul, as wrecked as you may feel, your soul is redeemable. You are not deplorable. You'll notice I have never referred to myself as a deplorable. I have never agreed with that. Some of you thought I was being like super ridiculous, right? But words matter. And when Hillary referred to us as deplorable, I had just started in radio. Well, in a on a on a major network. And I was like, I'm not repeating that crap. Because what does deplorable mean? You're unforgivable. So how many of you have been agreeing with that, mocking it, just in jest, of course, jesting about it, trying to take some kind of power back from the demonics of, you know, the gods of today through Hillary Clinton? Deplorables. We're a basket of deplorables. I'm like, nope, not me, because the word says I am forgivable and I need forgiveness desperately and I need to be able to forgive others. So mind your words. All right, over here in 1 John 2.15. Remember, we just read Romans 12 and 2. Right out to the side of that, there's a citation because it's going to lead you to scripture that is in harmony. It's basically cross-referencing other scriptures throughout the Bible, certainly not exhaustive, but it is pretty close in this particular uh, version of King James that I have, and I'll be happy to share that with you in a minute. But 1 John 2.15, so I'm going to roll over here to 1 John 
chapter 2, verse 15. Okay? Ha <laughs> ha. Where are we? The false prophets and teachers. There you go, as the Lord would have it. First uh, John 2.15. This is talking about, uh, and it is very important to read the context, but initially I just go straight to the scripture, and this is what it says, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bosor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Now, how amazing is that? Over here, it says, Be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So for a lot of you right now, you're like, I don't know what to do. Do we take the vaccine? You know, the Graham family says we should. The Jake's family says we should. Uh, other people I trust say we should do this. And, and should we be bowing down to government right now? Should we keep our churches closed? After all, this pastor said that the Bible says we're supposed to abide by the laws of the land. What am I supposed to do? Okay. And so one way you know whether or not you're following the right voice is to get before the Lord and seek and ask and knock, and he will speak directly to you because he promised to do so, all right? And so then I just flip over here to 1 John 2 and 15, and what is it talking about? False prophets and teachers. I did not even remotely plan this, you guys. This is what I'm talking about. This is like the moving and breathing and living spirit of God. Where it's like he knows exactly what you need whenever you need it. I had no idea that that was going to be the scripture that I chose today or, you know, in showing you how I study. But this whole chapter is talking about people who have forsaken the right way. They have gone astray following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozor. You can continue to read down into 16. These are wells without water. Oh my gosh. How many of you, how many Americans right now are standing in the wells of the, in line for water at your church and you literally leave there Sunday after Sunday, still just as dehydrated, just as parched as you were before you got there? And you know how I know it? Because your lives reflect it. And you know it. And God knows it. And he wants you to be filled. And he wants you to to be living vessels of his living water. So if you keep going back to the same family church or it's all we got, that's the only pastor we've ever known, or, you know, they're good people, they're nice, you know, or gosh, we've given $2 million and now my name's on the building and I got to stay. I mean, you know, whatever it is, whatever your idol is that's got you fastened and nailed to in this tempest of a world we live in, to the wrong well, to the wrong house, to the wrong cross, Oh, my goodness. Go Holy Spirit. Wow. Okay. This is so good. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. Ouch. And I skipped 16 because I was looking for the next uh, cross-reference here, which is going to take us over to Jude. All right. But 15 says, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray following the way of Balaam the son of Bozor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity, the dumb ass speaking with man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. That is right there in my Bible. Okay, that is not me and my little stanky mouth that I can have sometimes and I'm constantly confessing. That is right there. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. That is right there in my Bible. 
but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass speaking, this is literally a donkey that, um, uh, that, uh, that it was Balaam's, uh, Balaam's donkey forbade the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water clouds that are carried with a tempest to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness. Those that were uh, clean escaped from them who live in error. All right. There are multiple scriptures along the way right here. Jude 12 and 13 is another cross-reference. All right, hold on. We're going to go over to Jude 12 and 13. Told you we're doing this in real time, so y'all got to be patient. <coughs> and if you're already there, amen. Uh, Jude 12 and 13. Where are you, Jude? Jude, Jude, Jude. Jude 12 and 13. All right. Hold, please. This is so good. I love the harmonies of the scriptures. All right, here we go. Jude, last book before the Revelation. All right. Here we go. Jude, 12 through 13. There are spots in your feasts of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds, they are without water, carried about of winds. Ah, trees whose fruit withered without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots. My goodness. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Okay, then there's another cross-reference right next to that. It goes to Isaiah 57 and 20. Let's go over there. And, and through all of this, I'm taking notes, and I'm asking of the Lord, what are you telling me in this? And I stop, and I meditate, and I think on these things. All right, 57 and 20. But the wicked are like the troubled sea, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. Think about that. Think about where we are right now. This is exactly what's going on, which is why the church is like, uh, and I've actually described it this way, like they're like, like a muddy bottom of a lake. I live in Georgia. We've got red clay everywhere, and we've got man-made lakes. You know, they're huge man-made lakes, and they're just... There, you know, we have towns under the water, for gosh sakes, and um, and they're muddy bottom. I can't stand swimming in muddy bottomed anything, but that's what this feels like. It's like this tempest is going on around us, and there's so much swirling, you can't see through the water. We're in the water, right? But there's so much silt and soot and dirt and mud, and you can't see what's right and what's wrong, what's truth and what's error. And because there's so much fear and there's so much accusation and there's so much ungodliness going on, there's so much rage and violence and death and murder, murder with the tongue, murder in the streets. I mean, it is craziness. And the God of politics is writhing writhing the god of monetary systems writhing economic systems are imploding writhing things are i mean the earth is groaning right now and we're not called to be tossed all around we're not called to that and how do we keep from being tossed to and fro we sit down and we have a meal with our lord and our savior 
There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. And then you can cross-reference. There's more. So out to the side of things that you're reading, if you keep reading long enough, you're going to see little citations that will take you to other scriptures. That's what I mean by an archaeological dig. Now, you can go further than that. I usually have my concordance with me. You can do it on your phone. You don't have to have the big, you know, 20-inch thick Strong's Concordance, although, again, I'm very tactile. I like having my hands on these things, and I'm constantly flipping back and forth, making notes in my book. You know, I've got, I mean, oh, my gosh, I'm like a mad scientist at my dining room table sometimes. I I don't eat. I don't drink. I just, I'm like on it, and I'm eating and eating and eating and feeding and feeding and drinking and drinking from the Word, and it's just so much. I'm so saturated that I can't wait to get back on the air and pour it all out to you guys. Now, walking it out in my life in love without the Lord as my Lord is a real struggle because then you become what Paul says, which is a clanging symbol. So if you're going to pursue the Lord, do so not just for the sake of having knowledge and for the sake of standing against wickedness. Do so with the intention of fellowshipping with your Lord and your Savior. That is where our protection is. That is where wisdom is. That is where the good life is. That's where life more abundant is. That's where those beautiful, black, shiny faces with bright Jesus Christ eyes in Ethiopia is. That's where, that's, that's where God is. He's in the fellowship. That's where your healing is. That's where your protection is. That's where your provision is. That's where your hope is, your joy, your peace, your sanity, your order, your decency your faithfulness, that's where your prosperity on every level, that's where that is. That's where the vision for your life is. That's where your purpose is. That's where God's perfect, perfect plan for your life is, his perfect will. That's where his righteousness, your righteousness is. It's all in the fellowship with him. So there's no fear in this. There's no shame. If you're reading the scriptures, and I've been here, So I'm speaking from experience and with great authority on this. If you are sitting down reading scriptures and you are feeling condemned at all, you have something else that has come to sit down beside you along with or in addition to or in spite of the Holy Spirit. And you need to stop and you need to contend with that thing. You pray to the Lord Jesus to deliver you from those thoughts and feelings of condemnation. And he will, because he's a very present help in times of trouble. And if it's the one thing that the demonic realm hates, it's the name of Jesus. Say the Lord's Prayer if that's all you know to do. And that's pretty powerful. When I say all you know to do, I don't mean just just pray. That's not what I mean. Because they they, they know who said that first. <laughs> Take authority over your just jurisdiction. Pray over your home, over your space, over your spirit, over yourself before you ever sit down. And ask for the Holy Spirit's protection, for those angels that have charge over your life to come and stand guard over your spirit, over your mind, over your home. Prepare your home for fellowshipping. Lock that front door, secure your home, prepare a nice 
a nice table for you and the Lord to sit down and have a beautiful meal, you know, there, and there's no shame there. He would never serve you a plate of shame. He would never serve you a bowl of guilt. He's not going to serve you a cup of his wrath. Because Jesus satisfied his wrath. He's going to sit down and minister to your weary, parched, starving soul. Because that's who he is. And he came to set the captives free. And your pastor can't do that. They can serve up a good meal, but no one can make it sustainable. No one can make it bone of your bones, marrow of your marrow, flesh of your flesh, blood of your blood. No one but the Holy Spirit can do that. And it's beautiful and it's powerful. And it's why the enemy keeps you so distracted, myself included. It's why he wants you out here battling by yourself. Battling for yourself, battling for others in the name of Jesus. And some of you are out there in a loincloth with a spear, bad ideas, no shoes on your feet, no helmet of salvation, no belt of truth, mainly opinion and really crappy old crusty manna that other people have fed you along the way. Wounds of the church, guilt, shame, confusion, your own accusations against the body of Christ. Bring all those with you. He already knows. For those of you atheists who listen to me, I'm glad you're here. I've already told you that. You don't offend me ever. I don't care how many times you tell me Jesus was gay. You do not offend me because, A, I don't believe you, and I'll never believe you. Um, And I actually, for a minute, I was like, huh, all right, let me look at this. Again, because you don't think the scale, the the weight of the word of God is able to contend with an accusation of homosexuality against the Lord. You can't be afraid of that stuff, you guys. And it is her- it is heresy. It is apostate. It, it it is it is all kinds of stuff. It is error. It is. But you don't have to hate people who come with error. You stand. And the only way to do that is to know what the truth is. And then you get to get out to the marketplace of politics and industry and you bring the truth with you wherever you go and you stand. And and you don't fall into the trap of, well, you know, the GOP is only here to, to, to elect Republicans. Okay, well, what's a Republican? Our ideas are the best. Are they really? I mean, if our ideas are to move the goalposts of ideology down the field every time every wind of doctrine comes our way to accuse us of being racist or holier than thou or, you know, uh, or um, phobic about everything, and we just pick up the goalposts and we go, oh, yeah, you're right. Oops. Yeah, we don't want to do that. Let's, let's, let's go back to the, to the moderate line because this is politics after all. I mean, this isn't church. Actually, all of life is church. This earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And if this is our dominion and we profess, we profess Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, 
and we're satisfied with how the world looks in politics and in industry, then we are liars. Just because we stand up for the unborn, no, that does not give us a pass on every other level, on every other playing field. Nope, does not. It's wonderful. Um, and uh, hey, many Republicans are we're starting to move away from that. Well, you know, we don't need to be a one-issue party. I'm sorry, what other issue is there other than beginning with life? What, what did I miss? And I'm not some political scholar, believe me. I'm just a passionate woman of God who's been to hell and back, back again, take myself back, Satan takes me back, other people, you know, you name it, I've I've been through it, a lot of it anyway. Thank God I haven't been through everything that I could have been through. But I'm only an expert in my life. I do not profess to be anybody's scholar on anything. But I am blessed with the Holy Spirit of God and I have eyes to see and ears to hear and I have a mouth to speak. And it is incumbent upon me and you as those who profess the living God of liberty and justice for all and equality for all. It is incumbent upon us to know what is in our faith and to bring that into every place of market, politics, industry, your communities, education. I don't care what it is. You bring God with you. I hope this has helped you today. If I can answer any other questions, you guys know where to find me. I'm answering emails right now through this podcast. And have your strongs out. You know, when I sit down, whether it's on your phone or not, if if you don't understand the King James Version, I highly encourage you to start in that version or the new King James Version. And I'm not saying that there aren't some things where you go, huh, I don't know about that. It's okay. It's okay to, to, to have, I don't know. It's okay. God's going to take you from glory to glory. He is going to finish the good work he began in you, not me. He might use me, and he may, and he's going to use others for sure. But he will take you from glory to glory as you fellowship with him. He's prepared a meal for you, not, not Monica. This is not my meal. I'm simply hosting the party, <laughs> which I love to do because I have a gift of hospitality. So I'm like, come on, y'all. Bring all the wine. If it's grape juice you got to have, that's fine too. Whatever. Whatever doesn't offend you, bring that. We don't need to be drunk other than drunk in the Holy Spirit. Hello. Amen. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. But bring up a chair because he's got, he wants to nourish every cell of your body. Every cell of your mind. Every wound. Every fear. Every misunderstanding. Every offense. He wants to heal that. That's why we sup with him. Get out your phone. Go through different uh, translations, versions. You'll be amazed. It really is very poetic. You'll be amazed at the liberties some people take with, um, with translating. You'll see how far away from the original translation people get. And then if you will get out your Strong's Concordance and, and, or do it on your phone and type in um, whatever word you're questioning, um, and go into the Greek or to the Hebrew. Those are your two choices. Aramaic is, is out there as well, but in the Strong's, it's usually Greek and Hebrew. That's how it's divided. And it start following those roots back in, in the uh, etymological 
sense of the word in etymology, it's like an archaeological dig of words, you will be blown away by how some things have been so lost in the English translation that you're just like, yep, the heart of the matter is there, but the richness of it. I mean, it's almost like, okay, no offense to my Brit fans, but um, it's almost like eating food from England (laughs) or Ireland. Like there's just very little flavor there. So of course I'm Greek. And uh, in German, I'll stick with the Greek on this one when it comes to cuisine. But, I mean, Greeks are spicy. And so I like things that are spicy, that are rich, that are full, that are beautiful, fragrant. You know, and that's the word. That's the word. And so once you start digging into, like, things like the Hebrew and the Greek, you're like, oh, my goodness, I had no idea that this was so rich and so full. And it'll minister to your soul in such a way that no one... No one can ever take it away from you. And right now, our hearts are ripe. So don't wait for President Trump to come back. Quit listening to Mike Lindell and General Flynn and everyone else telling you that he's, he may come back. And I say that with love, not because I have disdain for those people. But it's like, quit listening to people telling you when he's coming back, that he is coming back. I mean, it's like when Jesus is coming back. At this point, I don't think anyone knows what's about to happen. And it's okay. That's actually a good thing. This is a time when your hearts are ripe. The soil of your heart has been tilled by all of this madness around you. Take advantage of that. Put down your idols of the election uh, people who are going to, to bring truth to the election. I'm still on that team as well. I'm, I have not, quote, moved on from the fraud of election 2020. But we have bigger fish to fry. Believe it or not, your soul matters. Because if your soul's not intact, you're not going to survive. You're not going to show up to vote. You're not going to know who you are and whose you are. And none of this is going to matter because you're going to be tired, downtrodden, some of you dead from the stress of all of this. You'll be checked out. Some of you are offshoring right now. I get your messages about it. You're moving out of the United States. You're done. Okay. I don't, I don't hate you for it. Don't blame me for it. But God gave us this world, gave us this country as Americans. We're just going to like run off the field and, and abandon this land that he's blessed us with. It's like, it's like giving his children the promised land. And they're like, yeah, well, you know what? And actually what did they do? They laid up with all the different gods and the women and all the, you know, idols of the different people that they were supposed to, you know, overcome or at least move in with God's ways and, and his heart and mind. And they didn't, they ended up being overcome by the idea, the ideologues, of that particular land didn't go so well for them, did it? I hope this encourages you now that I'm going to leave you on that note. <laughs> and, uh, there, there's that, that's how I study the Bible. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it may seem really simple, but I'd love to hear about your, your progress, um, as you're studying, you know, and just chew, just, just chew it. You don't have to bounce from thing to thing and, you know, just, just pray, about a particular area of your life where you want some clarity, God knows he's standing right there with you right now. He already knows what it is your soul needs. And so if you want to expound upon this right here, then do that. If you are interested in in me doing some kind of a daily thing where we all get on 
you know, I tried to, I tried to do that actually moons ago and, uh, we get up at like five in the morning and do a, a, a Bible study and, uh, you end up with all kinds of trolls and whatnot, but it's a mess. But if you're, uh, but if you are interested in something like that, I'm not opposed to starting something like that. Uh, maybe we could do it once a week. Um, I don't know. I mean, you guys think about it. Let me know how I can help. Um, if there's a theme that you'd like for me to study um, and get back with you on the things that I found, I'm happy to do that as well. Normally, God's very good at directing me in that, and it ends up being very timely for what uh, my audience needs to hear. So, um, but if there's anything that I can do, you know, with a little bit more in depth, um, you know, digging, let me know. All right. I love you. Have a good day. Get out there and enjoy the day. Enjoy your family. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the Lord. We still live in the greatest nation on earth, believe it or not. More importantly, we're part of the greatest kingdom ever. Be good to your neighbor, beginning your own mirror. Remember, if you're an American, act like one.